Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. And we're going to be studying through John chapter 17 this morning. And that's where we are in our study through the Gospel of John. So we're nearing the end of, of John, just a few chapters left uh, to go. And, and as we've pointed out several times along the way, uh, much of the second half of John is dedicated to those last few days and weeks of Jesus' life. And now we're going to get into a portion where we're just literally on the cusp of him being taken into custody and ultimately crucified. And we're going to study through the prayer that's recorded in John chapter 17 of Jesus himself. So Jeremy, why don't you uh, set us up as we, as we get started this morning. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the conversations that Jesus had been having with those closest to him. And now we're going to see the conversation that Jesus has with the one that is closest to him, God himself. And, and I think it's very appropriate, obviously. And the other Gospels record this time in a little bit different ways. But this is a, a, certainly a time in which Jesus was focused on spending some time with his Father in prayer, knowing what's about to come his way. And, I, and so as, as we get started, maybe just help us understand kind of where Jesus' mindset is with all of this and, and what he's doing as he prepares ultimately to go to the cross. Well, I think what, you know, kind of his mindset, you've already used the best word to describe it, focused. I mean, that there's no question about it. And we've talked over this, you know, the last several weeks. I mean, you know, we've been, you know, time for us, it's been several weeks since we've been in chapters 13, 14, mm-hmm. 15, and 16. But time-wise for Jesus and his disciples would have been, you know, basically one time. I mean, mm-hmm. that was, in a lot of ways, just one conversation that was kind of, you know, carried over. And there was a lot of things that happened there with Jesus and his closest of followers and a lot of really important teaching that took place, you know, during those chapters. But now, as you get into chapter 17, and certainly in chapters 18 and 19, and, you know, there's just 20 and then 21 left, mm-hmm. and then, you know, John is over. In every way, the focus is solely on Jesus. I mean, yeah. the spotlight now is on him. It's always on him, and that's what the Gospels are. I mean, the spotlight right. is on Jesus, but there's a lot of pic- people, other people in the picture. I mean, the disciples in the last several chapters have played a very key role to what was happening and the way the conversation went, questions they were asking, things that he was saying directly to them. But now, even though there's still going to be other players involved, from this point all the way to the cross, really all the way to resurrection, the spotlight is solely on Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are other people kind of on the periphery, you know, that John will talk about, even himself in the conversation with Jesus on the cross. But again, the spotlight, I think in a lot of ways, is solely on him. And so he's finished this conversation that he's had with his disciples in John 17. It gives us the entirety of a prayer. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, the, from the very beginning to the very end, mm-hmm. it is him talking to his father. And he's got a lot of things on his mind. But kind of circling back around to your first question, I think the best way to describe Jesus at this time is focused. He is, I mean, intently focused on what's about to happen, just now hours away um, from where he is here in John 17. And it's very clear that not only is he focused, he understands exactly what's about to happen, and even his language gives that away. I mean, right out of the the gate in, in 17 and verse 1, 
He says, Father, the hour has come. He, he knows that. I, I had made a note. If you go back to John chapter 2, when he turned water into wine, that's the point he's making to Mary at that time is my hour has not come. Right. Now he knows my hour has come. And just a couple of verses later, he's going to talk about he, he's finished the work that he was sent to this earth to do. He, he knows uh, very well that what he has come to earth to do is now being accomplished. And to, to think about it from that perspective, I mean, we, we don't have the ability in our day-to-day lives to know when our time has come. Right. You know, we, we, don't, we don't know that. It can come at any point. But Jesus did, and he knew that he was sent to earth for a very specific purpose. And he now knows that that purpose is coming to an end. It's being accomplished right here, right now. And to have that type of perspective and to be in that situation, but then also be able to still think of others during that time, I think that really gives us an insight into the the love and the concern that Jesus had for those around him. Because he's certainly going to talk to Jesus about, or talk to God about his own situation. But the majority of this prayer is going to be spent talking to God about other people. Right. He's going to talk to him about the, the concern and the care that he has for others and asking God to watch over them and protect them. And, you know, his concern and his mindset, even though he understands the end is near, is still very much focused on other people. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of remarkable to, to begin to think about. And I think it's good for us to think about it, especially here in John 17, because of where John begins his gospel in John mm-hmm. 1. You know, you've made the point right there in, in the very first verse of this chapter where he makes that point, you know, the hour has come. I mean, th- th- we're on the very precipice of uh, of everything that we've been working for. And, and And certainly Jesus as God is not bound by time in the same way that we are. But it's, just, it's hard not to think, you know, about, you know, the point that was made in John chapter 1 about the eternal nature of mm-hmm. Jesus. Not just God, but Jesus as God, that, you know, the creation was done through him, that he was, he was there. You read other passages like in Ephesians chapter 1, that'll make the point that, you know, even before the foundation of the world, this event was kind of on, you know, on the radar of God. Mm-hmm. And you go back to, you know, Genesis chapter 3, and you get the first picture of, you know, the first kind of idea that Jesus is going to do damage, you know, to Satan. And then you, you, and you start to kind of think about all of those things. And, and yes, I know that God looks at time very differently than we do, yeah. but you'd have to think, you know, from Jesus. I mean, thinking back to creation and, and Noah and how everything was then, you know, worked through him. And then certainly Abraham and the promises that were made and, you know, keeping the, the lineage of his, his people safe through all of the difficulties mm-hmm. and all of the thousands of years now that have gone on that Jesus has watched all of this culminating to this yeah. singular event yeah. that now he is literally on the very edge of, not days away, hours away. And to, to think about the weight now on, yes, he's God, but yet on that human frame and human mm-hmm. mind still in a lot of ways, it, it's incredible you know, to think about. And so for me, those words themselves, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son that, you're, uh, that your son may also glorify you. I mean, the weight of those words, I, it's not yeah. something we can fully grab yeah. hold of, but I think it, it is the weight of the moment, mm-hmm. you know, that's sitting on Jesus as a man. And you see it. Certainly the other uh, gospel writers give us a more physical picture right. of what's going on with Jesus at this time. But his mental focus is certainly there. And, and I think you've made a good point that his focus 
certainly is on the event that's to take place, but remains on the people that are surrounding him at that time. And even as we get toward the end of the chapter, the people that are yet to even yeah. even come on the scene. Uh, that's such a good point that you make because, you know, we oftentimes look at the, the plan of Christ and his coming to earth as it's contained within the Gospels. But you're right. I mean, this is this is the culmination of God's plan that goes all the way back to the beginning. And, and to think about it from that perspective, I think you're right. It adds weight to the situation because it's not just about the three years that Jesus was involved in his ministry. It's not even about the 30-ish years that he was alive. This is a, This is a plan that goes all the way back to the beginning of time. And now is the time in which it's being accomplished. That that's that's huge. I mean, there's nothing that that can be compared to right. really when you when you think about it that way. And yet, you see, even in that moment, the composure that Jesus has uh, during that time, and even when he's when he's ultimately taken into custody, and we'll we'll talk more about that in in the coming weeks. But even during those times, you could just tell this was a man at peace with where he was and with what was taking place. And that just shows us just how much Jesus was convicted himself in the plan that was taking place. He, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt this is what he needs to do. And he, he's doing it all because of us, because of the love that he has for us. And that was just a driving force for him through all of this. And, and, and you know, to try and make some application to that in our own lives, I think is difficult because of the, the, the circumstances in which Jesus was under. Uh, but I think also for, for us, we can live our lives with that same mindset in that this is, this is what's really important. This is what really matters. You know, so, so many other things can try and, and take our attention away from our, our service to Christ. But to look at his dedication to the fulfillment of God's plan, I think should hopefully invigorate us a little bit to, to really take this seriously and recognize that this is what life is all about. This is it right here, mm-hmm. and we need to be fully dedicated to it. We need to be fully focused on it, and we need to and we need to do everything that we can to try and take it just as seriously as Jesus was. Yeah, I mean, we don't we get the uh, the fuller picture of it when we are able to incorporate all four of the gospels. Yeah. But it is, you know, during this time that Jesus is, he, he is solely focused. I mean, that's the word we're using on what, what the will of the Father is. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, you even see it. I mean, it, it is, you know, not, not my will, but yours. Your will be done. And, and that's the way he's been throughout the entirety of his life. I mean, his focus is still on glorifying the Father. And we talked about that a lot in other places in this in this gospel, John the eleventh chapter is you know a famous place where Jesus was really and he was really focused in on you know the fact that God's going to be glorified and what's going to happen with Lazarus and and he makes mention of that specifically and he makes mention of that right here that that glory to the Father is is on his mind and and Jesus is acutely aware we've talked about it over the last several weeks I mean he is acutely aware of what's about to take place mm-hmm. he's not he's going to be arrested in the very next chapter we'll talk about that next week. Jesus is not surprised by that. He's not caught off guard by that. We'll talk about, you know, in the next couple of weeks, him being crucified, put up on that cross. He's not going to be surprised by any of that. He knows all of that is coming, and he knows what that means. He knows uh, what the plan was. He knows that this is God's will. He knows all of these things. And, you know, all of it now is coming to a head. I mean, it is, and it's kind of, it's remarkable, you know, to think. I mean, we're open 
you know, our Bibles are open, yours even, you know, more so than mine. I mean, it just, you just have a couple of pages, it looks like, left, yeah. you know, to go. Right. I mean, it, there's a yeah. lot on the other side in the Old Testament and, you know, and all of the, all of those things was leading up to this point. Yeah. I mean, all of those pages leading up to here. And now it's we're literally two one page turnover, mm-hmm. and Jesus is on the cross, yep. and everything is pointing to that moment. And Jesus is absolutely aware of that. He's aware mm-hmm. of that about to take place. The disciples are lost a little bit to yeah. it, but he is acutely aware of it, and it comes through in the way that he prays here in John 17. You, you made mention of the fact that you know we get a little bit more detail or, or different types of details in some of the other Gospels around this time uh, and what's taking place, and I think it, it goes to the point that you just made. The disciples were a little bit confused, a little bit unsure about what was taking place. And and unlike Jesus, they were caught off guard when Jesus was arrested. They were caught off guard when he was put on trial. And and they realized, oh man, they're going to come for me next and everything that takes place. They were they were caught off guard by all of that, even though Jesus had tried to prepare them. That was something we've talked about a lot over the past three weeks is uh, much of the conversation that Jesus was having with, with his disciples was intended to prepare them for this moment, and even yet they were still caught off guard by it, still flustered by everything that happened. But, but to your point, Jesus wasn't. And, and so I think that's one of the reasons why we see him taking some time for just him and his father, because they were the ones that understood everything that was happening. He couldn't gain the strength that he needed during this time from his disciples. He just couldn't. Even the closest people to him, he couldn't gain the strength that he needed from them. He recognized that the strength that he was going to need for the days that were to come, he could only get that through his Father. And I think that's one of the reasons why we see him spending this time with him in prayer right before being arrested, and ultimately why we see him then being so calm and so in control uh, when they come to arrest him and ultimately kill him is because of this time that he spends with God in prayer. And, and that, that, again, tells me that in, in the most difficult times in my life, if, if I know that I'm going to need some strength to overcome whatever's in front of me, the best place to get that is by spending time with God in prayer. That That's the way that I'm going to be prepared for those moments, and Jesus is a great example of that. Yeah, and I'll tell you another way, place that his calm just comes from is just the acknowledgement that, everything leading up to the point has happened. I mean, this is the way that it's supposed to be and the place that it's supposed to be. I think, you know, a lot of ways that's what we get really in verse 4 is kind of that, you know, final, you know, kind of, uh, you know, phrase that you get from Jesus that you listen, I've glorified you Mm -hmm. on the earth. He's talking, you know, there to the Father. I finished the work which you've given me to do. And it, it is that you know, kind of final phrase that you have before he's, you know, he's arrested. I mean, it's yeah. just a few, I mean, a few verses away and, he, and he's arrested. And it is that idea that, you know, he's at the end and he knows that everything's been accomplished. Everything is has led exactly where it has needed to go. And he's glorified the Father and he makes the point, I've I, I finished, I've finished the work, you know, that you have given me to do. I mean, just 
as a, a very quick aside, because I want to get into the rest of this chapter, but, you know, th- this is always, to me, a, a great verse when I'm, you know, in conversations with people that, you know, they, they think that Jesus has work to do, that he's going mm-hmm. to, he's going to come back. He's going to come back, and he's going to be here for a long time, because th- there was, there's just more to get done. He didn't get it done the first time, and he's got yeah. more, you know, now to get done. Well, uh, that, he's, he didn't say that. He says directly, I'm finished. I finished the work that you have given me to do. And so he is at that final place. And I think you're exactly right. It is a perfect fit for Jesus to be just him and the Father here at this point. And in a lot of ways, praying for what he prays for. Yeah, and one of the things that he says there in the verses just following what you just read is he points out the fact that I have manifested your name to these people. And that, that's going to be even a theme, not only that we've talked about previously, but also here in this chapter as well. Jesus constantly is pointing everyone to the Father. Right. I mean, he's, he's made that point many times over already, that, that he's glorifying God through what he does, through what he says. That, that clearly is, is something that's very, very important to him. Everything he does he does to bring glory to God and to, to shine the spotlight on Him. And he makes the point here that that's what he's done with the men that he's come in contact with, specifically his disciples. He, he has manifested God's name to these people. And in doing so, I think one of the themes that we see in this particular section is that, that when that takes place, that's where unity is found. Right. He, he talks several times about them being one. And that, that really is how unity is developed it's through bringing glory to God, and we share in our desire to glorify God. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. He has strived to glorify God, and in doing so, he has taught other people to strive to glorify God. And when that takes place, unity happens. And that's what he wants for those that he's leaving behind, and especially his disciples that he's talking about in this section. He wants them to be one with him and with the Father. And, and the example that he is leaving behind for them is one of someone who spent every waking hour glorifying God through their actions and through their words. And so that's what he's calling on them to do going forward. And really when we get into the book of Acts and following, we see their work in, the, in that department. They, they set out to do just that. Through the help of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has talked about being sent to them, they are going to strive to glorify God and teach others to do the same. And again, it just builds on that theme of unity and oneness that that Jesus, at, at this point in his life, sees as so important. He wants everyone to be unified with him and the Father. And we do that by glorifying God, by manifesting his name in the same way that Jesus did. And they just continue to pass that right on down. I mean, I think you're right on the money. You have Jesus doing that, and in that he has shown his his apostles the importance of doing that. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to see them do that. And in them doing that, they're going to show other people, you know, the importance of doing that. And, and you can carry it all the way down to where we're sitting, you know, right right now. And, and, you know, we have seen the importance from others, even in studying like we have in the Gospel of John, the importance of glorifying God in my life. But mm-hmm. at the same time now, I'm showcasing that. I'm, I'm making that known. That's that, you know, that's the power in that word manifest. I'm making yep. it known. I'm making known God and what he's all about and the way that I live. And now other people are able to see that. And they're able to then glorify God. And it's just one of those cycles that Jesus knows is going to take place. And he's already made mention lots of times 
it's not always going to physically go great for the no. people he's leaving behind. No, I mean, he's been very straight with them, even in the conversation that he's had just in the last couple of chapters. The people are going to hate you. They've hated me first, mm-hmm. but they're going to hate you, and they're going to they're going to treat you poorly, and, and you're and you're going to struggle with that. And I think that's what makes, to me, the compassion involved in John seventeen, where Jesus so easily could be focused you know, just internally, he's still focused on other people. And he knows that, listen, his disciples are going to have some struggles that are coming up very soon. And he is, I mean, leaning on the Father here to help them. I mean, you know, to help them in this. And the biggest way, and you've made mention that they're going to be helped in a lot of ways is each other Mm -hmm. and the unity that they'll have, certainly in their relationship to God. Yeah, there's. it's interesting how Jesus draws a line in the sand a little bit here as, as he's done already, that there's a very clear distinction between those that are unified under God mm-hmm. and those that are of the world. Yeah. And Jesus very clearly makes that distinction. He sees that distinction, and he, he makes the point, as he has done to his disciples' faces, that this is not going to be an easy road for them. And you can almost get the sense that he empathizes with them in yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he feels for them. I mean, he's right. going through that right now. And now he knows that when he leaves, they're the ones that are going to get the brunt of that going forward. And he he feels the pain that they're going to feel through all of that. And in doing so, he asks God to protect them in that way and to help them stay focused. He even says, listen, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I do want you to keep them from the world. (laughs) And, you know, there's a... That's just such an amazing thought. You know, we, we, we're in the same boat. We can't be taken out of the world or otherwise the influence that we could potentially have on the world would be taken with us. But we should be asking God to protect us from the world, to, to keep us unified in Him, to keep us focused on what's really important, and to not allow the temptations that the world will throw at us to pull us away. Keep us in the world allow our influence to be seen, give us opportunities to teach and to spread the gospel, keep us in the world, but protect us from the world and, and help us to, to be able to keep you first in our lives, to maintain that unity through Christ and through the Father that Jesus is talking about here. And in doing so, we can be one with Him while still being in the world and doing the work that He has for us. Here. Yeah, and, and that ultimately is the thing that's going to keep us safe. I mean, it, yeah, we've got to be in the world, but yet, I mean, I mean, Chapter 14 is a great example mm-hmm. of this. I mean, it is, you know, the relationship that we can have and the comfort that comes from having that intimate, close relationship with God. And and Jesus has told them, listen, this relationship that I have, you can have. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, we can make our home with you. I mean, we can be really, really close. But yet at the same time, you're going to be still here in this world. At the same yeah. time, you're going to have a lot of difficulties and a lot of struggles and a lot of things that you're going to have to deal with. All of that is true. But at the same time, you can make it through because of the relationship that you have with God. And, and he's talking to God here, and, and it, it just comes out as, a, listen, keep them safe. Watch, watch yeah. out for them. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going. I'm not going to be able to stand, be standing next to them anymore. That's kind of a theme of this, these last couple of chapters. I'm not going to be physically standing with you anymore, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have help. I mean, yeah. he's talked about the Holy Spirit, and now he's in a lot of ways is talking about the Father here. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, with the help that they'll still receive isn't going away. It's just looking very different, and they're going to struggle with that. But, I mean, we've got the, the end picture. I mean, we got the book of Acts, and mm-hmm. we see the, the strength which with, 
they were able to to push forward. But knowing that where that strength comes from, as you read these chapters, I think really can be a lot of help. Yeah, and, and towards the end of that section, he says, "Sanctify them by your truth, or set them apart." By your truth, your word is truth. And we go back just a couple of chapters, Jesus is calling himself the truth. I I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, he, He recognizes that, listen, if that's going to be accomplished, if they're going to be protected from the evil one, if they're going to be kept from the world... That can only be done through the truth. That can only be done through him and right. through, the, through the gospel that he has brought into the world. He recognizes that that's the source of that protection, and, and that's the same for us today. And when we think about uh, being one with God, we can only have that set-apartness, that sanctification through the truth, through right. Christ, through the gospel. That That's what protects us from the evil one. That's what keeps us separate from the world. And holding tight to that is so important. And Jesus knew that for his disciples, if they were going to accomplish this, they were going to have to hold tight to the truth. That was what was going to keep them protected. That was what was going to keep them focused. And that hasn't changed one bit. That is still the same for us today. We have to hold tight to the truth. That's what's going to protect us from the world. And that's what unifies us. I mean, we'll get to it here in just mm-hmm. a couple of, a little bit. But I mean, that, you know, when Jesus kind of moves on and, and, and kind of focuses in, I'm just going to sound opposite, but focuses in on a broader picture, right? right? <laughs> but I mean, he, you know, he's going to, you know, take his focus on the apostles and now he's going to focus in on a much larger group, but still the, the his prayer is the same. I mean, yeah. it still is unity. It's still on, you know, keeping, you know, keeping unified and being unified in the truth. I mean, that is the one thing that, that binds us all together is that, and, and it's what he gives us, you know, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And then he makes a point there in the very next verse of verse 18, you've sent me into the world. That, that's what we're doing to these guys. Yep. We're sending them out into the world. And so they're going to, they're going to need this unification that comes through the truth. And they're going to have to lean on that and you made the right point. We are in the exact same boat as them. We're still in need of that, and we're still leaning on that. And it is in every way the thing that sets us apart from the world. It is the truth that we have in God's Word. That's what sets us apart, keeps us sanctified in the relationship with God that we need. You may mention in your comment that in verse 20, he begins to expand his focus just a little bit here. And one of the things that stood out to me is, we're starting to run out of time, but one of the things that really stood out to me is in verse number 20 especially, he says, I do not pray for those alone, not just for the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I read that, and I was like, that's me. Right. I mean, Jesus was Jesus literally prayed for me. Right. I, I, am, I am one who came after him. And I believe in him because of the words that the apostles have. You know, that, that's what the New Testament is. The words that you know, the inspired writers have left for us. That's exactly what this is. And so in a lot of ways, I mean, I think it's amazing to think about that our Savior while on this earth prayed for us. But that's exactly what he did. He, he knew that we were going to face challenges as well. He knew what was coming for us too. And even in this moment when all of this was happening in his life and all of, all of the pain that was awaiting him and the finality of it all, he was still thinking about me. He was still thinking about us, the ones that were to come after him. That to me is just so humbling to think about and just gives me so much gratefulness for such a loving Savior that I have who would think about 
me and, and those like me at a time like this in his life. Yeah, and, and it is the comfort that comes from knowing Jesus has prayed for us. I mean, you know, I think in a lot of ways, the disciples, I think, you know, John 17, you know, sometimes we kind of have that, you know, picture in our mind that we see in, you know, the other gospels of, of Jesus, you know, by himself praying mm-hmm. in the garden. But I, I really think here in John 17, his disciples are still there. And they may be hearing exactly what he has to say. I mean, we'll talk about this more next week. Yeah. But John 18 and verse 1, you get that picture that when he had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples to the brook, into the garden. And yeah. so the disciples of hearing, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus praying, and that is exactly what you just made mention of. It is us reading this text and knowing that here Jesus while on earth at this very specific time had me in mind because that's what I am. I'm verse 20. I'm the ones that will come through and believe different from these disciples. I'm going to be much later. And it is the power of seeing what he's praying for and what he's praying for continues to be unity. That unity and relationship with God, unity and relationship with Him, that's what Jesus' focus was, and it's certainly because of that needs to be my focus. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and stop there. Time is about up. Um, that went really quickly this morning, as it does often. We want to thank everyone for uh, joining us in our study of John chapter 17. Hopefully this has given you some things to think about as you continue uh, your own study through this gospel. Uh, if you're ever in the area and looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you come and join us at the Traders Point Church of Christ. We meet on the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. Uh, we have Bible studies on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for all ages. Uh, followed by worship at 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. We also have a midweek Bible study at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. So please come and join us for any of those that you might be able. Uh, we also live stream our services, so if you can't join us in person but want to follow along with that, traderspointchurch.org is where you can find that live stream. We also link to that on our Facebook page, so you can find it there as well. So thanks again for taking some time to study with us this morning, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.